Yo, what's good, man? It's your boy, Zoe, and you back on The Last Word. In this episode, I'm going to be talking about my predictions for who's going to win the conference finals. In the East, you got the Heat versus the Celtics. And in the West, you got the Lakers versus the Nuggets. So I'm going to be giving you my predictions on who's going to punch that ticket to go to the 2020 NBA Finals and why I think they're going to win the series. So let's jump straight into it, man. I'm going to start off Heat versus the Celtics. So I'm bringing you this recording after watching Game 2. I wanted to give my predictions before each conference final started, but they got the East a little bit ahead of the West because they're trying to hurry up and get the season over with. I understand. So the Celtics are up 2-0. Both games were close and went down to the wire. The Celtics easily could have won either game. But I'm going to pick the Heat to win this series in six. And there's three main reasons why. The first and maybe the most important reason is that this series isn't Jimmy Butler versus Jason Tatum. In the NBA, one star player can really make a lot of the difference in the series, unlike in any other sport, really. And a lot of times, especially in the playoffs, if you have the best overall player on the court, your team most likely will win. And if you look at it, Jason Tatum is a lot better than Jimmy Butler. Now, I know Jimmy Butler is the better defender and his mid-range game is solid, but Jason Tatum's a better shooter from three. He can create his own offense effortlessly. And really, the only reason Jimmy Butler is the better defender is because Jason Tatum is young and just cares about offense more than defense. When Jason Tatum gets closer to his prime, keep in mind Jason Tatum's only 22 years old, He'll get a lot better on that end. He has the length and athleticism to be a great defender, so I'm really not worried about him at all. Jason Tatum is clearly the better player with the higher upside, so I'm not going to get too much into that. Jimmy Butler has really been playing pretty average in this conference final so far, even though he gets a lot of the credit. Let's look at the numbers. In game one, Jimmy Butler had 20 points, 5 rebounds, 5 assists, on under 50% shooting. Not a bad game, but like I said, pretty average. Game two, really he didn't play well at all. He went four for 11 from the field. He had 14 points, three rebounds, four assists. Jason Tatum, on the other hand, in game one, had 30 points, 14 rebounds, and five assists in an overtime thriller. Yeah, I know, he got his last second dunk blocked, but come on, 30, 14, and five? And in game two, he had 21 points. Again, both games on 50% shooting, five rebounds and four assists. So Jason Tatum's clearly outplaying Jimmy Butler in their head-to-head matchup. But like I said, this isn't a Jimmy Butler versus Jason Tatum. And that's really what's hurting the Celtics. This series is a lot about the ancillary, secondary pieces around them. So why are the Heat's pieces so much better? Well, we can start with Gordon Dragic. Gordon Dragic has really been debatably the best player on the floor in these first two games. In game one, he had 29 points, four assists. And in game two, he had 25 points, five assists. Now, I know what you're thinking. Goran Dragic isn't going to do this throughout the series. But honestly, this is pretty common for him. Throughout the bubble, he's averaging 22 points, four rebounds, 
four assists. That's more points than Kemba Walker, than Jalen Brown. He's really outplaying the Celtics' next best pieces by himself. Now let's get into everyone else. In game one, the Celtics and the Heat both had five double-digit scores. But you got to keep in mind, one of the Celtics' double-digit scores in that game was Marcus Smart with 26 points on six threes. That's not going to happen too, too often. Now, I'm not here to shit on Marcus Smart. He has improved his jumper for sure. And every team needs a Marcus Smart. I know everyone loves stats and stats seem to be everything. But there's no stat to tell you about the charge Marcus Smart took at the end of game one on an inbound play with the Celtics down one that gave them two free throws and the ball back to help tie the game and force an overtime. There's no stat to tell you about a play like that Marcus Smart is going to consistently make for you. So I'm not here to shit on Marcus Smart. He's a great player and every team needs someone like him on their roster. But you can't rely on him to give you 25 plus points a game with six threes more than maybe, maybe twice in a series. And in game two, the Heat had six double-digit scores to Boston's four. The issue is that a team like Boston that we naturally in our head associate with offense is really pretty average on offense. For the season, they came in 13th best in scoring, while Miami Heat is 15th best. But yet here, the Celtics are getting outscored. And part of that could probably be attributed to Gordon Hayward being out. Now, Gordon Hayward hasn't been the same since he broke his leg a couple years ago, but he is getting back into the swing of things, and he is a 40% three-point shooter, so that definitely would help the Celtics' offense. But it doesn't look like he's going to make it back in this playoffs, and that really puts a lot of pressure on Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, and Kimball Walker. That being said, let me move on to point number two. There's no home court advantage. Now, to the people watching at home, it really kind of goes under the radar that this home court advantage thing isn't happening. When you're watching on TV, you see the virtual fans. You still got the announcers. They got the crowd noise to support who's supposed to be at home. And the way they have the players spread out on the bench, it actually looks like there's a mini crowd out there. But for the players out there on the court hooping, they're still playing in a big empty gym like they're at LA Fitness or something. And when when that's happening and you can't rely on the crowd that really gives way for the mentally stronger team to dominate the series. And it's obvious that the Heat are the mentally stronger team. With no home court advantage, young role players who don't have any playoff experience, like the Tyler Heroes, Duncan Robinsons, Bams, they don't have to worry about the pressures of the crowd and how the reaction and the momentum the crowd brings is going to affect their play style. Because they miss a shot, they're on to the next one. They only really hear their teammates encouraging them and picking them up after every play as opposed to hearing the rowdy Boston fans bringing them down if they're not playing well. The Heat have no egos on their team. They don't care 
by what means they have to win. They don't care if Tyler Harrow's the hero. They don't care if Jimmy Butler leads them. They don't care if bands blocking shots. Whatever it takes to win the game, that's all that matters to them. And of course, the Celtics want to win, but their quote-unquote star power leads them to play a bit of selfish ball. Jason Tatum is going back to what he did a lot of last season. He's forcing a lot of tough shots. Now, Jason Tatum can take and make tough shots, but with a team as locked in defensively as the Heat, you want to play more of a spread offense, swing the ball around, and try to get more open shooters. I think the Celtics should run more plays for Jalen Brown, but instead they're ISOing Tatum and Kimball Walker a lot. And let's just be real, since he hurt his knee, Kimball Walker hasn't been the same He doesn't create as much space with his crossover. It's harder for him to blow by defenders. And his three ball has basically abandoned him. Kimball Walker shooting 20% from three for the bubble. That's worse shooting than Russell Westbrook. We're talking about three-point shooting. And that's just not going to get it done against a team like the Miami Heat. Now, Kimba played pretty well last game. He had 23 points on 47% shooting, but in the second half, he was mostly held in check and turned the ball over quite a bit. But overall, the Boston Celtics are really not playing that bad. And that's my third point about why I think the Heat are going to win this series in six. The Boston Celtics, despite not having Gordon Hayward are really not playing bad at all. They've scored over 100 points in both games. And in game two, they got 20-plus points from their three stars, Jason Tatum, Kimball Walker, and Jalen Brown. They're really not going to play too much better than that. I mean, game one, you get six threes from Marcus Smart, 30-14-5 and five from Jason Tatum. And in game two, you get 20-plus from Tatum, Brown, and Kimball Walker. You can't really ask too much more from them stars. What do you want, 30 each from all three of them? That's really unlikely to happen, especially with the type of defense the Heat have been playing. The Heat are beating Boston on both sides of the ball. Now, it's obvious that Miami's the better defensive teams with anchors like Jimmy Butler and Bam as a shot blocker. But what's shocking is that Miami's really playing better offensively than Boston is. Now, like I said, Jason Tatum's forcing a lot of tough shots, but I'm not going to kill him about that because Kimball Walker isn't really carrying his weight. Keep in mind, Kimball Walker just signed a max deal. He's supposed to be the best player on the team. He's supposed to be the leader. But it's pretty obvious that's not the case. Jason Tatum is the best player. And a lot of the time during the season, it really looks like Jalen Brown is the second best player, to be completely honest. So with Kimball Walker struggling and the Heat's role players thriving in their role, I mean, come on, Goran Dragic, 29 points, 25 points. He's coming off the bench and you got Duncan Robinson, who looks like he's found his three ball again. Tyler Hero, man, Tyler Hero is a hooper hooper. Let me tell you, this man is not afraid of the moment at all. At 20 years old, every shot he takes, he feels like he can hit and he's upset if he doesn't. 
He's locked in defensively, even though he doesn't necessarily have the intangibles to be a great defender. And he's bringing you playmaking and assists that I don't think really anyone saw coming, even if you watched him back at Kentucky. So all that being said, it seems that Miami is clearly the better team, and I'm going to pick them to win in six. Boston may be able to force a game seven if they're lucky, but I got the Heat punching their ticket into the 2020 NBA Finals. Now I'm going to tell you who they're going to be going up against. We got the Lakers and the Nuggets in the West. Lakers versus Nuggets in the Western Conference Finals. Now, I know this isn't the matchup a lot of people expected. Probably not the matchup a lot of people wanted to see. But let me tell you, from top to bottom, these are the two best teams in the Western Conference. Now, who do I got winning? I'm going to take the Lakers in six in a highly competitive series. Why do I think that? Well, there are three main reasons. First, Jokic is really going to struggle going up against Anthony Davis. In four regular season matchups, the Lakers won three of them. And Jokic, who is a really efficient player, has kind of struggled. He's had a high of 22 points, but shot under 50% in three of the matchups. Anthony Davis, on the other hand, has had no less than 27 points in all four matchups and has out-rebounded Jokic in three of the four meetings. Now, Jokic was the driving force in the comeback against the favored Clippers in the Western Conference semifinals. But, and this isn't to take anything away from Jokic's greatness, because he was great. Jokic was going up against someone in Ivan Zubak, who is not a threat whatsoever offensively. Jokic, who was already a mediocre defender, didn't have to play any defense he could focus solely on offense and he had all the energy in the world to let the Clippers have it from three in the post and with his playmaking now Jokic like I said a mediocre defender now has to guard the best big man in basketball the most skilled scoring big man in basketball in Anthony Davis and let's just be real he can't do it Jokic actually had a speed advantage against Ivan Zubak. I know, Jokic had an athletic advantage against another big man. Now, I'm not going to just straight shit on Jokic because he has slimmed down and it's really helped his game, especially his jump shooting. But let's be real, Jokic isn't exactly a top-tier athlete and he's not going to be able to pump fake and drive and go around AD so easily the way he did on Zubak or Montrez Harrell. Also, on the opposite end, he's going to have to stay down and guard Anthony Davis. And honestly, he just doesn't have the foot speed, the lateral quickness, or the jumping ability to really contest a lot of Anthony Davis's shots. So I see Anthony Davis really dominating this matchup. And without Jokic being highly effective, I don't really see Denver producing enough offense to be able to beat the Lakers. The next reason I feel like the Lakers will win in six is the Jamal Murray marathon can't go on forever. Now, Jamal Murray put on a show against the Utah Jazz, having a couple 50-point games, averaging basically 30-plus throughout the series. 
And when they needed him most against the Clippers, he stepped up again, including a 40-point performance in Game 7. But that type of emotional comeback, while the three ones are impressive, that type of emotional strain is exhausting. It's not just the scoring of 40 points. It's the highs and lows and galvanizing the troops to have enough energy to have to come back from 3-1 over and over again. That's truly exhausting. And Jamal Murray is going to run into a couple of defenders on the Lakers who don't have to worry about scoring as much on the other end as he does. People like Alex Caruso, KCP, a much improved defensive player, and Kyle Kuzma are going to be all over Jamal Murray, and they don't have to work as hard to create offense the way Jamal Murray does. Jamal Murray doesn't really get set up. Now, Jokic is a great passer, but Jamal Murray doesn't get his offense set up through Jokic. Jamal Murray is more of an iso ball player, plays out of pick and roll. He creates his own shot. And having to do that against proven defenders in Caruso and KCP over and over again, I just don't believe Jamal Murray still has the stamina to do this again in the Western Conference Finals. The defenders he went up against are in Utah are below average at best. Donovan Mitchell is a great offensive player, but no one's ever accused him of being a lockdown defender. Plus, Donovan Mitchell was still scoring almost 40 every game for his player, for his team on the other end. With the Clippers, they have good defensive players too, but players like Kawhi, Paul George, even Patrick Beverly to a lesser extent have to carry a lot of the offensive load going the other way, and that can limit their defense a bit. But the Lakers don't have that problem. Players like Caruso and KCP are more like energy guys. KCP being catch and shoot. Caruso may get to the bucket, create some things in the lane. But they're not relied on as much to create offense. And they love to play defense. And their energy and focus is almost exclusively on defense. Something Jamal Murray can't afford to do. And if scoring on the perimeter wasn't already going to be difficult enough, Jamal Murray has to contend with Anthony Davis, JaVale McGee, and Dwight Howard at the rim. And getting to the cup and finishing using his athleticism will be a lot more difficult than it was against the Clippers, who have very little rim protection. Now, the third reason why I think the Lakers will win this series in six... I mean... Isn't it obvious? All hail King James. Braun, Braun himself. There's really no answer the Nuggets are going to have for him. They have good wing defenders. They got Grant, Torrey Craig, Gary Harris is a really good defender. But let's be real. Those guys just aren't built like that. I mean, really, they're not built like that. King James is going to post them up. He's going to drive by them, give them that shoulder. He's just too big, too strong, too fast, too athletic for those guys to stay in front of consistently over an entire series. Also, Denver plays at a slow pace that LeBron has made a Hall of Fame career out of. The Lakers and Denver 
are in the bottom half of pace teams in the NBA. In a game now where so many threes and fast breaks are happening, these two teams play some of the slowest ball in the league. And for a veteran team that scores so efficiently in the half court, led by a passing guru like LeBron, it would really benefit Denver if they changed their play style because they struggle to score as efficiently as the Lakers do. LeBron also has a great ability to score just as well as he passes. Now, the Nuggets have another great passer in Jokic, but he plays at the center position, and you're going to want him to try to be more aggressive because they're going to need that extra scoring. Keep in mind, Jamal Murray's going to be a bit locked up in this series. So far in these 3-1 comebacks, the Nuggets really haven't had to go against an elite point guard in which they're going to have to go to with LeBron. Yes, LeBron is the point guard. Against the Jazz, you have Mike Conley, but he's really a two-guard playing point guard. Same with Donovan Mitchell. They let him dominate the ball, but he's not a point guard either. The Clippers, their point guard is Patrick Beverly. That's just because he's the shortest player on the court, but he doesn't really set up any offense for them. The Lakers have a bona fide, certified point guard, a.k.a. the leader in assists this season, LeBron James, who's going to surgically pick apart the Denver Nuggets' honestly mediocre defense. All that being said, I still think that the Nuggets are a good team. They're not going to go quietly. I do think they're going to get a couple games out of this. But there won't be any 3-1 historic comeback again. There won't be any crazy heroics and some Cinderella story. The Lakers are going to win in six. And they're going to punch their ticket in to play the Miami Heat in the 2020 NBA Finals. Those are my predictions. Uh, Coming up next, we're going to see game three of the Heat versus the Celtics. And I'm not sure when you guys will be hearing this, but I believe tonight you you will be seeing the Lakers versus the Nuggets game one. I do think that the Celtics will bounce back and win game three. But like I said, I think this one's pretty much over. The Heat are going to win in six. I know the Lakers have lost back-to-back game ones, but I don't see that happening. I think they're rested. I think that they're taking Denver very seriously. I think they're going to come out with a lot of energy. And I see the Lakers winning fairly big. I'm going to say 10-plus in this one, beating the Nuggets in game one. Thank y'all for listening. Share, tell a friend, follow me on Spotify. I got the Lakers and the Heat in this year's NBA Finals. Let me know what y'all think of my commentary, who y'all got coming out of each conference. Once again, this is the last word. My name's Zoe, and I'm out, y'all.